Hey everyone, it's Cheryl and Tony. Buckle up for this Wednesday morning edition of the Disney Drive Time Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good. A lot of news today? Uh, yeah, you know, we had a bit. All right. um, let's start out with the least of the news. Over at Disney Springs Tree Trail, they have a little shop and they have a cute name for it. They're calling it the Elforian. That's right. Um, so if you enjoy some of the stuff that you see there in the Christmas tree trail, including the Disney-themed posters, um, as well as T-shirts, postcards, luggage tags, tumblers, and more, um, you can stop by uh, the Elforium and uh, get some of that stuff. So how is it, do you know where it's set up? Like, is it like at the beginning or the end of the tree trail or something? Uh, I do not. Hmm. I do not. It, I mean, just it must says, be near it. It must be sort of temporary. Uh, you know what? The Elforium, it says you can stop by the Art of Disney and go to the print-on-demand kiosk. So it looks like some of the stuff is kind of set up all over, um, which is which is weird. But I thought the Elforium would be a specific store. Right. But so it we, doesn't appear to be. We don't know very much about this story, so we're going to move on to the next one. Um, Cirque du Soleil, is, uh, they have their new show that is going to be coming soon, and they have a name for it now. Uh, they're calling it Drawn to Life. What's our date for that? It is going to go into previews, which, see, we do know about this story. It's going to go into previews on March 20th and officially debut on April 17th. Good. It's going to be awesome, and I want to go. That's right. It is the story of Julie, a courageous, determined young girl who discovers an unexpected gift left by her late father, an unfinished piece of animation. She will be guided by a surprising pencil, and she embarks on an inspiring quest sprinkled with her Disney childhood memories. You make it sound terrible, but it's going to be good. Uh, let's see. That sounds excellent. Disney Parks Live likes to cover the opening of absolutely everything. And anything. Yes. Yeah, and so they're doing it again. On December 16th at 9.55 a.m., you can watch a live stream of the grand opening of the Riviera Resort. Excellent. I will be there because I have no job. I will be there because I have a job, but any little break to have a little Disney in my day, I will take. So I'll probably be watching that, too. Do not know how long it's going to last. Uh, probably will not involve any X-Wing drones. Aw, man. But it will be fun nonetheless. Yeah, we'll all be there. So anything we're all at is fun. Indiana Jones Adventure is getting a new uh, play app, just like a lot of the other attractions have gotten. So what's this one about? Uh, so the Indiana Jones Adventure, the Gifts of Mara experience is now, now available in the Play Disney Parks app at the Disneyland Resort. Um, this app will allow you to decode a lot of the hieroglyphics that are along the park, if, if uh, along the, the queue walls. Uh, when this ride first debuted in 1995, they actually had a translation sheet that you could uh, try to figure out you know, what the hieroglyphics meant. That went away for a while, but now the decoder is back. Um, and this new digital version also includes other games and uh, in-queue experiences. All right. They've added some new symbols to the old uh, old hieroglyphics and whatnot, so it uh, could be fun. Nobody wants to be bored while they wait in line. That's right. Um, D23 hosts a conversation with a Disney legend. Uh, this is something uh, they've done in the past. I'm not sure who they've covered before, but this time they're going to be covering Don Iwerks. That's right. Don Iwerks is a Disney legend in his own right, but he is also the son of one of Walt's early partners, uh, Ub Iwerks. And he is the father of Leslie Iwerks, who is the driving force behind the Imagineering uh, series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so Don 
Uh, Don was with the Disney company from uh, 1950, 19, around 1950 to 1985. And then he started his own company called uh, like iWorks Adventures, I think it was. Um, but he's been heavily involved in the film and entertainment industry ever since. So D23 on December 11th from 3 to 5.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time uh, will uh, live stream a, a panel discussion regarding the history of Disney innovations since he was around when they started a lot of their filmmaking innovations. I believe he was uh, uh, involved in the making of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was his first film. Uh, film critic and historian Leonard Malton will moderate the panel. Uh, in addition to being joined by Bob Weiss, who is the current president of Walt Disney Imagineering, Linda Folsom, who is a media producer for Walt Disney Imagineering, and Leslie Iwerks, the filmmaker behind the Imagineering story on Disney+. Plus. So that uh, that could be interesting if you enjoy you know, filmmaking and Imagineering, because it's all going to be all about the Disney storytelling method. Yeah. Which, as we all know, starts out with the old... Um, uh, panels that they use for storyboards for mm-hmm. movies and that storyboard process is even utilized when designing a ride right. or attraction right yeah that'll be interesting um red the pirate um she used to not be a pirate she used to be she, she used to get chased around now she chases people around that's right um she has her own funko pop now that's right and if uh you wants the redhead like <laughs> everyone used to want um, there is a special variant version of Red the Pirate uh, being Wait, released. Tell everybody what that means. I didn't know what that meant. A okay. variant version. So, uh, Funko Pops, as a lot of you know, are these little collectible figurines. And uh, occasionally there will be what's called a variant version, which means it is not the standard version. Um, this is done a lot of times in comic books and collecting cards where, you know, it might be a comic book with a different cover. That's, that's a variant. So there is a special variant version of Red the Pirate being released in Walt Disney World on Saturday, December 14th, and this will be a a variant that has uh, metallic paint, so it will be a lot shinier than the regular red uh, Funko Pop. Uh, This Funko Pop will be available at Disney's Pin Traders in Disney Springs. Uh, And then two locations in the Magic Kingdom, which are the Frontier Trading Post in Frontierland and the Plaza del Sol Caribe Bazaar in Adventureland. All right. This next bit of news is specifically for our friend Dawn, who had us go over the Festival of the Arts a little bit for her a couple of, maybe last week, because she's going to be traveling during that time. Um, Dawn, they have released the interactive workshop lineup for the Festival of the Arts. So we had talked about some of the different workshops that they were going to have, but they were not available to be booked. They are now available to be booked. So That's right. So if you are going to be at the festival uh, on Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 11.15 at a cost of $45 per guest plus tax, uh, Epcot admission is required and not included. There is limited availability. Guests under 18 must have parent or guardian uh, permission to call. But you can call 407-WDWFEST uh, to reserve your spot. And the workshop schedules are Ink and Paint Animation, presented by Lynn Ripperberger from Disney Animation. That's on Saturdays at 10. Uh, each week you will paint a different Disney character. Uh, I won't get into the individual characters each week. But they are, well, we'll say who they are. We won't say what um, when they are, but one week it's Mickey, one Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto, Pluto and, and then Mickey again. Mickey again, yeah. Uh, on Saturday, January 19th at 10 a.m., they're doing a Disney 3D paper crafting with Dave Avanzino from Dave Avanzino Designs. 
Gesture Drawing Basics will be presented by Todd Bright of Bright Animation on Sunday, January 26th at 10 a.m. and Sunday, February 16th at 10 a.m. and again at 10.30. Uh, Animation 101 Flipbook Fundamentals, also by Todd Bright, on Sunday, Fe September, bleh, Sunday, February 2nd at 10 a.m. and Sunday, February 23rd at 10 a.m. Doodling with Viz, presented by Greg Viz, Viz, Vizentainer. Uh, that will be on Sunday, February 9th uh, at 10 a.m. Uh, and as I mentioned, the price is $45 per person plus tax. Appearances, presentations, and events are subject to change without notice. All the workshops will take place in the World Showplace uh, Events Pavilion, which is located between the United Kingdom and Canada. All right. Well, completely not art. The Castle Cake from, uh, what, 20 the years ago? 25 25th, years ago? 25th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, now has 25th anniversary commemorative apparel. So if you didn't get to see it enough in its ugliness 25 years ago, you can remember that ugliness on a t-shirt or sweatshirt. Right. And the only reason we mention this merchandise is because it's personally, ridiculous. I, I disliked the castle cake um, or cake castle. I don't know. Would you refer to it as a cake castle it's or a, a cake castle castle? Uh, it was hideous. Um, and this long sleeved sweatshirt is a little bit hideous as well. But kind of funny. Uh, Cali River Rapids in the Animal Kingdom has a refurbishment coming up. I believe it's going to be closed for three about three months it's going to be closed from january 6th to march 20th uh, reopening on march 21st just in time for things to warm up a little bit so yeah nobody wants to go on it during the chilly season anyway that's right um and we talked yesterday about uh drury hotels uh putting in a new hotel the like a third or fourth one that they're doing in florida um small hotel chain family owned we weren't really sure of where that was going. It's actually going on Hotel Plaza Boulevard, and it's taking over the Best Western space. So I'm not sure if they're knocking down and starting over or if they're just completely refurbishing um, the Best Western that's there now, but that's the space that it's going to go in. So I think it's like 2000 Hotel Plaza Boulevard is the address. Um and then there was a Disney auction that we had talked about a little bit where they had, uh, I know, some of like the tiki birds from the tiki room. And I don't know, we talked about a whole bunch of different things that they had. That's right. There were a two-day sale of over 1,500 items, uh, which brought in uh, just over $1.8 million in winning bids. It was The auction was entitled A History of Disneyland and Walt Disney World Event and was hosted by the Van Eaton Galleries. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, big uh, big money makers. What's the the biggest? One of the bigger ones was the two animatronic tiki birds that used to be in the tiki room, and they went for one hundred and twenty one thousand dollars. Right, which was fifty uh, percent more than the gallery had thought. Yeah. So things, uh, you know, stuff's popular. A people mover vehicle sold for one hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. I want a people mover vehicle. I think it's crazy that uh, they had a telephone book for a telephone from Walt Disney's personal apartment at Disneyland. They expected it to go for between two and three thousand dollars. The winning bid was thirty six thousand. Yeah, you just never know what people are going to get excited about, and if you have um, you know more than one person who's excited about it, it can be a bidding war. So that's what they always hope for with an auction. Yeah. Okay, um, Gary Sinise has been in Disney News a little bit uh, for this week. He hosts something called Operation Snowball. 
That's right. Uh, Gary Sinise Foundation um, brings about 750 uh, children, Seven, spouses. 1,750. Oh, 1,750. I'm sorry. My, my glasses are new. <laughs> um, it brings 1,750 children of the fallen, uh, gold star families from the U.S. military, and their surviving parents and guardians or guardians. Uh, it's a five-day experience, and it is a therapeutic retreat with a blend of fun and inspiring programs. Yeah, it looks like American Airlines uh, helps out transporting the families. Um, and then it's not just visiting the parks, but it looks like they have maybe some like workshops and stuff for you know, emotional support type of things. So that's awesome. Nice thing that he does. And not so nice, Disney has filed a lawsuit against a Florida, um, it's an online t-shirt company that's based out of Florida. It's called Dizgear. Um, they sell t-shirts with uh, pictures of the castle, different um, Disney animated characters on them, uh, phrases from things like Frozen, uh, and Disney's concerned that people will think that it's coming from Disney, which, I mean, really, they shouldn't be making money on, um, you know, someone else's property. Right. Their phone number even ends with uh, the letters P-L-U-T-O, um, and they, they market it that way. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, Disney and Lucasfilm are suing them for trademark and copyright infringement. Uh, they sent a letter to this group in March asking them to stop selling the items. Um, and then they uh, sent again another letter in October. Uh, and once the site remained up, they decided to become litigious. All right. Um, well, so this is a super short show. I think if I can get Tony to, well, we'll come back in a minute and talk a little bit about uh, our next step in planning if you're a newbie. So we're going to pick up with segment three on our first timer's guide. Uh, the first segment, we talked about staying on-site or off-site. And our second segment, we spoke about dining plan. You know, is it right for you? So our third section, uh, we've got some general questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some miscellaneous stuff. Uh, so first, we're going to talk about, um, do you need a car um, for your trip? Should you rent a car? Now, if you drive down, you have a car, so that's not even a question. Right. But if you're flying in, do you need a car? Right. And, you know, one thing when you're flying down, if you're not a frequent Disney visitor or a first time visitor, one thing you need to know is that Disney will provide you with motor coach transportation to and from the airport. Uh, so they're going to get you to their property. You don't need a town car. You don't need to Uber it. It's it's free. You know, it's rolled into the cost of your package. But uh, Disney does provide that. Yeah, and that's a big cost savings um, because if you are trying to take an Uber or a car service, you're looking at uh, probably at least $70 each way. So um, so, so that's good. Uh, if you rent a car, the cost of a car would be um, about $250 to $300 for a week. If you're going to get, a, if you have a minivan, if you have a few extra people, uh, you're going to need one that's going to cost about $400 to $600. So that's, it's a significant cost. So it's something that you can avoid um, by using Disney's transportation. So not only will they get you to and from the airport, but they also have uh, buses, um, the monorail, uh, the gondolas, which will all take you um, to and from uh, the parks, um, Disney Springs. There's also some boats that run. Right. So different forms of transportation, but they'll get you to and from wherever you need to go on Disney property and you don't have to drive. Right. And, and I think one of the other things you need to keep in mind, you know, Renting a car, you know, the roads around there can be a little confusing, although with cell phones these days, you know, Google Maps, it's a little easier. 
Uh, the other thing to think about is not only do you have the cost of your rental car, but now Disney has started, for about the past 18 months or so, been charging a nightly fee for parking. Uh, now those fees are uh, different at each level resort that you stay at. So if you're staying at a value resort, you're paying the least. If you're staying at a moderate resort, uh, you're paying more. Uh, you're paying $13 a night at a value, $19 a night at a moderate, and $24 a night to keep your car at a deluxe resort. So, you know, a week-long trip at a, at a moderate resort, you're looking at another $140. Yeah, so that does add up. Um, it's not that we... We actually rent a car fairly often when we go down there. It's not that in general we think that renting a car is a bad idea, just maybe for first-timers. There's enough stress uh, going somewhere for the first time and trying to figure out a lay of the land. Being able to use Disney's transportation... Um, is the easiest and best way to go, I think, for first-timers. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've told many people this over the years. The one thing Disney knows how to do is move people around. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that they're just, you know, it's not that they like to provide you with transportation, but the quicker and more efficiently they move you around, the quicker and, uh, you know, more time you have to spend your money. Yep. And that's that's really what the bottom line is. So they're going to find ways to get you around their, their property. You can't spend your money sitting on a bus. No. Okay. Um, and then the other thing that we ask, we get asked a lot is how long should my trip be? So uh, people will uh, want to go down, you know, maybe for a long weekend or uh, we think we're just going to do the Magic Kingdom. Uh, that's we, we get that a lot. And I'm always a little bit surprised that if someone hasn't been to Disney that they're interested in something like a three-night trip. Right. It's not what I would recommend for a first-timer. I think... Um, Ideally, I'm going to say at least five days. Um, how would you split up five days if you had it? Um, well, why don't, why don't you split up five days? Because I've got a completely different philosophy. Oh, really? Okay. So for I like to do um, the one day in each park plus an extra day. Either if you have a hopper pass, then you can split that day around to do whatever it is that you feel like you missed. Um, but we don't usually do a hopper pass. So I like uh, two days in the Magic Kingdom and then one day in each other park. How okay. about you? So you're actually, you're saying five five days there. Five park plus, days. Plus a travel day on each side, which really yes. makes it a seven-day trip. And you can throw an extra day in there in between if you want to relax by the pool. That's okay. ideal. So, see, for me, I also go with a seven-day trip. So, you know, your arrival day and your departure day, I don't count. But then you have five park days. And like Cheryl, uh, you know, I think you, you can, you know, give one day per park uh, and then do two days for the Magic Kingdom. The Magic Kingdom has the most attractions um, meet and greets, you know, uh, rides out of out of the four parks. So I, I really think you need two days to it see It also that. has the most parades. It has nighttime right. shows. So there's just a lot that you're trying to fit in. And it, it can be a long day. Yeah. So, you know, if you try to start out early to try to get in uh, all the rides before it gets too crowded, by the time it gets to be close, you know, dark, you're just not going to make it for the fireworks. Right. There's only so much you can do in a day. And and Cheryl mentioned the hopper option. You know, when you buy your tickets, the, your base ticket's going to get you entry into one park per day. And, and that entails, uh, you know, one, your day at Magic Kingdom, that's your Magic Kingdom day. That's the only park you can go to. You can come and go as many times as you want. You can leave midday, go back to your resort, but you have to go back to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, the next option is a hopper. You heard Cheryl mention a hopper ticket earlier. And for a first-timer, I don't recommend the hopper because you're, these, these experiences are all going to be new to you. So, you know, focus on that one park per day. There's no need to go to Magic Kingdom in the morning and Epcot at night. If you've never been to Magic Kingdom, 
you know, experience it for the day. Yeah, I mean, there's also just the fact of trying to familiarize yourself with the park. You know, if you're st- if you go to the Magic Kingdom, you get that map, you get that layout, and and you you start to finally figure out maybe where things are a little bit. The last thing you need to do is halfway through the day show up at another park and try to figure out where everything right. else is. Right. There's also an added expense with uh, a hopper pass, which probably it just isn't necessary for first timers. Um, on a one-day ticket, it's an extra $63.90 for uh, the hopper. On a two- or three-day ticket, it's an extra $74.55. And on four days or longer, it's an extra $85.20. So you can keep that money to yourself right. if, uh, you know, if you don't need to spend it. Exactly. And then also talking in the how long uh, your trip maybe should be, it's important to note that the longer your stay is or the more days on your ticket, the less those days cost per day. So um, when you go from a one-day ticket to a two-day ticket, you almost double your price. So $116 is like the starting price for a one-day ticket, but the starting price for a two-day ticket is 226 So, you know, an extra $110 for that second day. Um, when you go to your third day, again, you're adding about $100 on. You go to your fourth day, a little bit less. You're adding in about another $75. So it's $426 for a four-day ticket. Um, now it drops off a bit. Right. You move from a four-day to a five-day, and you go from $426 for the four-day to $436 for your five-day. So for only $10 more, you get another day in the park. So that's another reason why five days is kind of a nice number because you're right. getting that extra day that only costs you $10. Now, if you can go on and, and do a 10-day trip, a 10-day park, um, a 10-day park ticket is only $493. So, you know, you're, you're doing great, but you got to pay for a hotel then for 10 right. nights. But that's what I find really funny is, you know, three days is going to cost you $331, four days, $426. So you're looking at a little over $100 a day. Yeah. But a 10-day $493. So the difference between four days and 10 days is not even $70. Right. Um, any loopholes you may be thinking of, um, I'll use part of it and save it for next time. Um, I'll gu- I won't buy a park hopper, but I'll just buy extra days and, you know, use one day, you know, in the morning and one day in the afternoon. All of these loopholes have totally been closed. You cannot do any of those things. And your tickets do expire 10, 10 days, I think, after the first use. It depends, no, I guess, how long the ticket yeah, is. But Yeah, it, it's now if you buy like a six-day ticket, you have an eight-day window to use it in. Yeah, there's not a lot of time. So no. you can't save these for later. It all has to be within one trip. Um, but, you know, I think that's a, that's another good good lesson on uh, what you might want to be looking for if you're a first timer. Oh, the other, the one other thing is that when people are going a lot of times to Disney, they'll want to see Hollywood Studio. um, I'm sorry, Universal yeah. Studios and the Harry Potter area. So they'll want to take a day or two days um, to go do that. If you never get down to Orlando and that is, it's just, you need to do it, then you do it fine. But as far as cost goes, it's a very expensive way to do things um, because of that whole adding on one more day only costs you a little bit more. Well, adding on a day at Universal Studios costs you a lot more. It costs you the same as your one day at Disney World. So, right. Um, right. Universal it's and Harry Potter are a completely separate theme park operation uh, than Disney. It's not a Disney park, it's not a part of it. 
Um, so, you know, maybe maybe next year or next time you're in Florida, you do Universal Studios and SeaWorld and a couple of other local attractions. But if you're really going down to Disney, it doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint to do like three days at Disney and three days at Universal. You're really not saving any money. No, you're, you're spending a lot of extra money. If that's the only way you can do it, if you're really, you know... When you're, your kids, you're really taking a one-time trip to Orlando when the kids are 10 years old and you're never going again, then I guess you just do what you got to do. Right. But. <laughs> All Good. right. Well, those are just more helpful hints from your pals here at the Disney Drive Time Podcast. So until tomorrow, I'm Tony. I'm Cheryl. And you have been listening to the Disney Drive Time Podcast. <laughs>